Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hot Bite with Honey Withrow is underway on this Monday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, which includes YouTube. If you're watching live, you can join Chad in the chat. Just search out Outkick there. Hope you subscribe while you're there. You can join us on this great radio station you may be listening to. And uh, our studio location, 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A lot to get to, Chad. Uh, good afternoon, and what a weekend of football storylines. Uh, it was something to behold. Everything that we built up throughout the week, thinking and hoping it could be climactic, turned out to be so. Yeah, college. Even the game, the big game that was anticlimactic in the end, became uh, eventful after the game because of comments. College and pro, uh, plenty uh, on the the table for us today. We've got Bobby Carpenter coming up in an hour. Uh, a lot to discuss with him, former Buckeye about Ryan Day and their win over Notre Dame. We'll get to that in a moment. Plus, Tank Williams, former NFL safety, uh, now NFL analyst and draft analyst. He'll be with us in our number three. But first, the biggest headlines uh, from the football weekend. And Chad, let's start with Oregon's destruction on Colorado. I've, I was thinking we've doubted primetime. We've doubted the buffs for a while, especially me. I thought they were going to get boat raced the first two weeks of the season. They come in 3-0, and 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 then the Ducks take care of them. They leave 3-1 and after Oregon destroys them 42-6. to Should have seen this coming. Chad, you did. It's exactly what you expected. Did it live up to the billing for you? Well, it's, it's what we expected from Colorado before the season. This was, this was what I have been saying is going to happen eventually, and it finally happened. There was going to be a humbling. And look, you, you talk, you run your mouth when things are going well, and that's fine. That's the, to the, the victor goes the spoils. But just like Deion Sanders keeps receipts, everyone else in college football is quietly keeping receipts on him and his program. I, I like what Deion had to say after the game. I have no problem with Dan Lanning making it personal to steal the catchphrase that Deion Sanders is trying to have trademarked in Washington, D.C. right now if it's personal. He made it personal for his guys against Colorado, going against what they stand for, saying that the Oregon Ducks stand for something different. But this is the start of the, the humble tour. He had the glory for three weeks. It started in Oregon. It's going to continue this week when USC pounds them. Um, but it still doesn't change the fact he's got Colorado ahead of where I thought they were going to be this year. Yeah. doesn't change that in the future they're going to be better. It doesn't change that what he said post game is right. Hey, better get me now. This is the worst we're going to be. So take your shots right now while you can. He's like, I got no problem with him talking if he wants. So, I, again, I like what Dion had to say after the game, and I also think you're going to see more teams. Now, you got to have the players, and Oregon has the players. And most impressively, Oregon has the players on both lines of scrimmage. This is not just an old Chip Kelly score 70 a game and hope not to give up 73 type Oregon team. This is a physical football team up front. 
on both lines. I was really impressed with Oregon in this one. Hutton, I didn't think it was going to get out of control that quickly. Yeah. I thought they'd spread it out in the fourth quarter. I didn't think it was going to be an immediate onslaught up 28 nothing in a lightning-fast time and, type of game, but that's what it was. And at one point, it was 42 nothing. The stats were this at that point. The Ducks had gained 439 yards at 8 yards per play, 25 first downs. Colorado, 39 yards, 1.3 yards per play, 5 first downs. And you're right, Dion likes to make it personal, no matter how petty the personal aspect may be going into that week. But what he's also done moving forward is it's going to be personal for the opponent. And it certainly was for Dan Lanning, who had this to say to his Ducks team before taking the field. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Right? It's going to be played on the grass. This game's not going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Uh, just using everything that Deion Sanders has said over and over again Isn't against him with his team. That this matchup in week four produced that pregame speech for Colorado. Well, think about the Oregon-Colorado game from a year ago and how the, the whole only focus uh, would have been, let's please just not completely sleepwalk in this game and make it any, anything close because this team is awful and this program's awful. I mean, that, that, that speech is a credit to Deion Sanders and what he's created at Colorado and what he's done, right? I mean, the fact that he cares that much about this game shows what Dion's been able to accomplish so far. And, and how about the explosiveness of the conference? Just tying in Oregon here. By the way, 49 to 10 was the score a year ago. Okay. But I'm saying, imagine that pregame pep talk from Dan Lanning a year ago facing this Colorado <laughs> program. It was, well, guys, let's just let's treat this like a business game, business trip. That game was in Boulder. Let's just not fall asleep. Rewind, rewind three weeks. Oregon on the road at Baylor. Yeah, yeah, but it, that didn't produce that type of speech. I, I, no. I don't expect. I mean, it, that that's what's so surprising about where Colorado is on that pecking order, and all, with all the chirping, it's an easy way to get your locker room locked in. Uh, so, through four weeks, USC, Washington, Oregon, and Washington State, all top five for the most explosive offenses. And. and- Michael, oh. Michael Penix Jr. continues to be my my Heisman favorite. I, I love what they're doing that you offense. That but, prediction, but you brought it. I mean, but Washington State, yeah, with a huge win, and Cam Ward is, is an exciting player. It is a damn shame. This is the last of the Pac-12. <laughs> I mean, what it's a, a what shame, a cruel it... injustice that in a year where all the talk of the offseason is how terribly George Klyavikov handled the whole situation and how the networks are conspiring against them, and they thought they were going to get a deal, and they couldn't, and now everyone's looking around, and programs are bolting. And this all leads into what has been maybe a historic-type season for this conference. It's, I mean, th- if it's, we, it's if, a way if to go out. we're looking at it right now. They could get two teams in Yes, easily. they're getting multiple teams in Unless that 14 playoff. They beat up on each other, which is certainly possible. Very true. But Certainly they, possible. They are now going to get the benefit of the doubt that the SEC and Big Ten have gotten for years, where, hey, just because they have one more loss 
doesn't mean they're not the better team because look at their competition. Look at their conference. Look how loaded it is. You can say that about the Pac-12 this year. That is a stacked conference up top. And the round robin between those teams at the top, it's going to be fun to watch all year. Colorado's not one of those top teams. No, but I think Colorado, Saturday showed no, that. But no, they, it's not. But Colorado produces the eyeballs necessary for to, sure, but to be in a Heisman race or for the other team. They're also good enough to throw a wrench in this thing yeah, well, and yeah. knock someone off in the Pac-12 that's really good and cost them a shot at the playoffs. So, again, I'm not putting Colorado in that mix of top teams, but Dion's already proven early this year they can surprise people, and they could certainly do it again. But the very top of that conference is rock solid. It is. And fun to watch. Also fun. In a weird game, Ohio State-Notre Dame. And Ryan Day fired up post-game after winning on the final play against the Irish. Like I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team. What he said about our team. I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio. And it's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what. I love those kids. And we got a tough team. I mean, the way that game ended with Marcus Freeman, what are you thinking on those two snaps? And then Ryan Day fired up about a Lou Holtz comment. Chad, uh, this, this is, you, you can tell Ryan Day feeling the pressure. How can you not read into that if he's, he's listening to Lou Holtz at 86 years old, discuss his team, and he's pointing back to Michigan in the matchup there. We played one bad half. Hey, One bad half, three years. But I, I, as that's happening in the moment, I'm thinking he's absolutely feeling a little heat because if he loses that game and loses to Michigan, all of that chatter is real. As oh, yeah. good as he's been, and I'm not advocating for him even being on the hot seat. He's been great. But he's feeling it. That was the emotion coming out, and he's listening to a former coach of the the opponent he's facing, and he's letting loose on it in a weird game. When he says, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. Well, he's probably in bed. He's 86 years old. Oh, he was watching. Uh, but he, you know, maybe. <laughs> Could be he an early watching. bedtime for Lou Holtz right now also. An extremely odd response from Ryan Day. I mean, dude, you just got a huge win. I know. Like, let's celebrate what the What do you think's on his mind in that moment? I, I get, like, we're going to get into another post-game press conference moment, which I thought was also someone trashing an elderly man, <laughs> but I thought in a much more respectful way and done much better. I just think the timing was odd. The fact that the first person you think about when that happens is Lou Holtz, and he was very emotional in, in delivering that talk, and I get some of that, but it was almost like he had to force himself, Hutton, to keep going back to his team. These players are tough. My, my players are tough. These, I just feel great for these guys. I thought it was odd. Uh, it w- was not a good look for Ryan Day. But most importantly, they got the win. They find a way to get it done. But the worst look of the night goes to Marcus Freeman. Yes. Who just commits complete coaching operation malpractice with 10 men on the field for the last few plays. Seven seconds and three seconds. Only 10 on defense. And... Who cares if you get a penalty? And by the way, you didn't you you didn't need a timeout or a penalty because Ohio State substituted. They ran other players on, which gives you the opportunity to do the to same. Add someone. And uh, I think he's lying. But aside from that, the I don't fact think that you, knew. you you knew you didn't have a timeout and you you didn't want the penalty. Who cares at that point? The final play of the game. They're going for the win. 
You're not giving them a, a, a first down where they can kick a field goal. It's not... It, it just wasn't necessary. Well, the ball's Ex- on, what, the one-and-a-half-yard line? But, exactly, but three seconds, still. Like, again, it, it, three it, seconds. It, 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 but if it's a penalty, it's nothing. You've got to stop them on the goal line. But it's not like you're giving them the first down and they get more opportunities. Right. It's, the, it's the final two snaps of the game. Yeah, I, I don't buy what he's saying. I, I, I think they got caught asleep, and no one saw it, and no one alerted them to it. That final back-to-back plays. That too. overhead shot, which, by the way, this overhead shot that we're getting now more and more in, in football is terrific. Uh, the one of the looks of the Bijan Robinson run for Atlanta the week before is one of the favorite pieces of football video I've ever seen in my life. But that overhead shot of everyone lying down and where it's clear there is a fourth down lineman missing on the left side. Yeah, yeah. That Ohio State runs right at that oh. empty spot for the game-winning touchdown. Bad, bad look for Marcus Freeman. And I like Marcus Freeman. I, I think he's a good coach, but he is learning on the job. And now that you are into this point in your career, you've been at this a little while, you can't have that. Cannot have that. And I'm not buying his reasoning and his excuse that, well, we just didn't want to get a penalty Well, in that moment. I'm not buying that. You're not buying because one of the snaps you can you can add a man based on the fact that Ohio State ran in players. They're going to give you that opportunity. And then it happened in back-to-back snaps where you had 10. So you, there's no excuse for it happening again in between plays. And his team is built in his image. They are a physical, tough team. They are. That plays good defense. He is a defensive guy, defensive coordinator. Sam Hartman, their 24, almost 25-year-old all-world quarterback, was not that impactful in this game. This wasn't a high-scoring type game. They had but, it right there. That's right. They had it right there where, where Lou Holtz said it would be, that Ohio State's going to get beat by the more physical team. And what happened was Ohio State looked pretty good against 10 defenders, being physical and running the ball in on the last play because of Marcus Freeman. And that's not to say that Ohio State wasn't physical in this game as well. They were, but this was the type of game Lou Holtz was talking about that Ohio State has struggled in at times. Low-scoring, team that's known to be more physical, Huge missed opportunity for Marcus Freeman. That would have been the biggest win for Notre Dame in 30 years. Well, not only that. If they're able to finish that one out and get a stop on the goal line, that is their biggest win uh, in 30 years. No doubt. But but beyond that, Chad, the, the impact of the college football playoff now, they could still get in because they lost on the final snap to Ohio State. And presumably in the, the, the hypothetical here, Ohio State's in and there's your trying to find that fourth team, and you've got a lot of two-loss teams, potentially a two-loss champion in the SEC, maybe in the Pac-12 before it's all said and done. So you've, there's a lot to balance, but that one snap, those two snaps, will come back to haunt you because fans don't, re- don't forget, they remember those mishaps, those gaffes, and learning on the job just isn't acceptable at that level at that position. No, and I don't think Notre Dame fans want to hear that no. bit of excuse-making either. That, that's one where, I mean, you, you almost just have to stand up there and own it and say, we completely screwed up in the end. That, that was, was awful. But a great game came down to the final play. I was thinking about the Bush push the whole yes. time when they're down there on the goal line. Uh, very reminiscent. I remember watching that night game when it happened, uh, 2005, I think it was. Was, was that year? 2004. So 2004, the year before USC lost to Texas in the national championship, they won the national title that year in 04. But I, I remember it well, and I was, I was having visions of that game watching it Saturday night. We'll get more from Bobby Carpenter on this uh, coming up 
in about 45 minutes on the Buckeyes and And, and we'll find Irish. out from Bobby, is it in fact Ohio versus the world? Yeah. As Ryan Day says. We'll, we'll does, he, yeah. does he feel that level of pressure that it's Ohio versus the world everywhere he goes? Everywhere he goes in life, on a Sirius XM show, on McAfee show, does he feel Ohio if versus the world? you don't respond with I.O. when someone says O.H., you're the enemy. Another question I want to ask Bobby, do you believe? <laughs> We've got Nothing that. else, just do you believe? Uh, the Chicago Bears uh, not believing in their season nope. uh, right now. That And details uh, – Further details came out about Alan Williams and his resignation as defensive coordinator last week, uh, and it was conduct-related. Uh, reading from the Chicago Tribune um, and, and the report from Adam Schefter yesterday on NFL uh, Live, uh, NFL Countdown, uh, Schefter said he was told it's, it's not criminal activity. It was inappropriate, and the Bears' HR department was involved in the decision for Alan Williams to step aside. So, not criminal activity, uh, I- but... The FBI raided his home. Did they have Brenda Tracy speak to the team also? Yeah. Again. What, what happened? This is still... I, every report that comes out makes this more confusing. Can someone report what's going on, please? Alphas and betas including. We'll dive into the Dolphins next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hi, Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. If you missed our conversation with Lou Holtz uh, last week, gave some uh, perspective on what Ryan Day was discussing. Uh, you can check that out, and you can uh, catch him tomorrow on Dan Dockich on Don't At Me here across the uh, Outkick network. He'll have his chance to respond to Ryan Day. That's right. It's Lou Holtz versus the world tomorrow. That's right. Good chat with him. Uh, we'll have him back on soon. We've got uh, Andy Staples coming up at three o'clock today right at uh, 40 minutes from right now uh bobby carpenter had a is it a work deal a work emergency yeah he's that dude has so he wears so many different hats did i hear something about an oil well is yeah, what davy told us they've, they've got i some, didn't know that he was in the oil industry i mean he's is he daniel day lewis's character from there will be blood that's how i picture him wearing an outfit like that prospecting yeah is he I'm, an old prospector uh, hopefully, well, no. I, Man. I, that, that movie, though, was pretty boring throughout. Very slow. Very slow. Very slow. Very slow. Takes a bit to get into That's it. not 
that's not B. Takes Carp's, a little bit to get that's into not his. That's a, not his rhythm. Let's put it that way. Uh, Tank Williams will join us, former NFL safety, uh, now uh, NFL analyst. Uh, that's coming up in hour number three today. Chad, the alphas and betas of the weekend. We start uh, with the alphas, the, the cream of the crop. The Miami Dolphins, wow, 70 points posted against the Denver Broncos, who we will get to in a moment. But the alpha mentality and the dominant, I mean, the total destruction and embarrassing scoreboard point where you post 70, incredible. I have Devin A. Chain on my fantasy team. Oh, yes. Tell me about this. Did not start him and never even thought to start him because he's a rookie who hasn't done a lot until this game. 52 points in fantasy football for Devin A. Chain this week. This is not supposed to happen in the NFL. This is supposed to be a top five team in the FBS and a power five playing an FCS nobody in week one of the college football season. That's where you expect a score like this or 70 points to be put up. This is an abomination for the Denver Broncos. We may get back to the Broncos a little bit later in this segment and their head coach, but what a just unbelievable onslaught from that Miami Dolphins offense. And now suddenly we've been talking 49ers, Cowboys, been the most impressive. It's the Dolphins. It is the Dolphins and it's the 49ers right now, given what transpired yesterday in the, in the desert. First team to post 70 points in 57 years, 726 yards of offense, nine yards short of the record of 735. That was the 1951 Los Angeles Rams. And uh, you, the, the numbers here, A-Chain, you mentioned the shoulder injury in the preseason, and then they, the slow rollout. Everyone was dominant yesterday. They are the first team in the modern era to score five rushing and five passing touchdowns in a single game. And Mike McDaniel took his foot off the gas in the end and said that he didn't want bad (laughs) karma. He wanted the Miami Dolphins to have good karma, and that's just not the way he wants to do things. Think about that. He did that after scoring 70 points and had a chance to score more in a game. Yeah, and and again, nine yards short of of the yardage record as well. Uh, I want want McDaniel to succeed, too. Yeah, Uh, he's... He is a he's a guy that's worth he's against for. the grain on what yes. the football coach uh, how you would describe it a looks football and coach. sounds like yeah 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 the the silhouette of a coach is not not him it's yeah. not Mike McDaniel um, it's like the anti Ryan Day rant yes like to me Ryan Day <laughs> was that was your stere- standard stereotypical yeah. football guy talk. Rant after a game. Let's know where Lou Holtz is right about now. It's also that, that is not Mike McDaniel. That's never going to be him for the Dolphins. It's also not a rant that Dan Lanning did. You know, no. he, he McDaniel wouldn't produce that either. Another alpha of the weekend is the Oregon head coach. Yeah, he said he's not after clicks. He's after wins. They're about playing on the grass, not in Hollywood. He took his shot. We saw it a week ago. Jay Norvell for Colorado State. Knew that the spotlight was going to be on his program just because he was going to be in the shade of all that light on Colorado's program. And he took his chance to talk trash about Dion and get his team in the spotlight a bit. It turned out to be a great game. Yeah, Dan Lanning did the exact same thing. There's going to be more coaches now, smartly, I believe, using the celebrity of Dion Sanders to pump themselves up and their program up. 
And this was Dan Lanning's shot. He took it. He called it. And like Babe Ruth hitting a home run after calling a shot, he delivered in this game. They did not just beat Colorado. They did every damn thing he said they were going to do. They went out there and blitzkrieged them from the very beginning. Great job by him. He was an alpha in this one. He treated that game like one, and he used it to get some spotlight on Oregon. Hutton, you're going to see more teams do this when they face Colorado. As long as they know everyone's going to be talking about Dion and Colorado regardless, they're going to use that week and that opportunity when they play the Buffaloes to make sure that they get some of that shine as well. Do we have the ratings for that game? Do we have the numbers? Because I, I have not seen it yet. So, uh, so the the sorry, I'm I'm over here trying to put these headphones back in. I don't <laughs> the uh, chat slip, slip sliding away here, over there. Here's the comparison I'm thinking of as I'm watching the the, the Oregon Colorado game, and just the you mentioned the blitzkrieg. It reminded me of Oregon and Georgia in the season opener, what Georgia did to Oregon, and yep. the perception that's the, the foundation of the perception of a of a program. That game, Oregon, Georgia, 6.2 million tuned into that. And I'm betting you, based on the ratings we saw last week and what we've seen throughout, everyone wants to tune in and see what Colorado's going to do next. And a lot of people tuned in to watch, and there's a different perception about the Ducks right now because they didn't play their best game, but they still won on the road against Baylor. And Baylor could not beat them, even though Oregon was not at that 10 out of 10 performance. That's saying something. But that didn't get much flash or headline. This will, and they also show how complete their, their entire roster is. Impressive victory and a great job by Lanning. I don't have the, the final ratings yet, but I do have Sports Media Watch, where they do ratings projections yep. for games. And given the time and the competition, the game up against them was uh, not an overly compelling Old Miss Alabama game, it turned out. Um, they're projecting Hutton 12.56 million. So we'll see if they reach that. To compare that, a year ago, top audience is always Ohio State, Michigan, 17.1 mm-hmm. million. Second place all season was Tennessee, Georgia, with 13.06 million. So if it's close to that and- prediction, it is. Right there with the second most watched game of all of 2022. And keep I'm not comparing the programs and the 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 state of the program, Oregon or Georgia from last year. What I'm doing, it, I'm just saying like the perception of the you get a you get a I mean a moment, or, Oregon uh, you could get be an there. impression you get it. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm saying Colorado's not Oregon or Georgia from right. a year ago. They're not defending you, national champion the way Georgia was last year get, in November. They made the most of their opportunity in front of everybody. Yep. And that, that, that's huge. And Lanning called his shot. Uh, and Chad, Lou Holtz, alpha. Uh, for, for all of these coaches that say and tell their locker rooms to tune out all of, the, all of the noise, there's a lot of coaches that are talking this year about things that they've, they've heard, uh, pointing out uh, negative comments or slights against their team. And Ryan Day did that post-game, directed at Lou Holtz, who is sitting back, watching the game, and calling it like it is. And that's exactly how Michigan has been the victor over Ohio State the last two seasons because of the physicality and the, the, the trench warfare that goes on up front. Ryan Day took it personal. 
to steal Dion's line. And he took it personal with an 86-year-old Lou Holtz on national TV. First comments after the game. The alpha in that is Coach Holtz. Yeah, never few down, right? And uh, this isn't a shot at Lou Holtz, but Ryan Day bringing up Lou Holtz, who hasn't really been all that relevant for a while, hasn't been on national TV, right? Hasn't uh, been a big part of everyone Saturday yeah. in a while. Yeah. Who won a national title in 1988. It was a great coach, Hall of Famer at a number of places. Won the national title in 88 at, at Notre Dame. But the fact that Lou Holtz was able to incite that level of verbal violence from Ryan Day the moment his team just won a big road game at Notre Dame, that's alpha status. Yes. So when you can bring that down and get him that fired up, Coach Holtz, we salute you. You're an alpha. To the betas, not, and we start. Not that we ever second guess no, him well, being an alpha. I, I would love to ask him about what, what he what his thoughts were when he heard this, watching this uh, post game. Skip Holtz too, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, because prior to having Coach Holtz on, we called and and, and made sure that everything was set up properly for for Coach, and uh, and Lou Holtz was awesome uh, getting there. He's like, I, I may may not be able to get up and go get my diet coke. May not feel like that, but. I'll be able to rattle off anything historically that you want. And he certainly does. So in the YouTube chat, uh, Michael, who's following the ratings, we don't know yet on Colorado, Oregon. Right. But Ohio State, Notre Dame, Hutton, peaked at over 14 million between 1030 and 1045 at the end of that game. That's a lot. That's a massive fan base on both sides. That would be the second most watched game of 2022. If Tennessee, Georgia was a little over 13 million. Yeah. That's the second most watched game, just that one at night. I don't think, certainly with the score, didn't get there. Colorado and Oregon will not reach that, but it's no. going to be really good. And that tells the start you of the game is going to be really good. The impact of primetime in that, massive. Uh, Sean Payton was supposed to be making an impact in Denver. Preseason, calling out what was wrong with the Broncos. He's going to do the, the exact opposite of what Nathaniel Hackett and the front office and, and general manager had done the season prior. Uh, a, a strict general behind the scenes. Russell Wilson can't have an office right now. Poor guy. Well, I'm looking at the head coach and thinking, what's going on in that office? 70 points scored against the Denver Broncos. The historic loss, by the way, comes after the 35-33 loss to Washington, where they were up 18 points at home and the Commanders came back and won that game. You're thinking, moving forward, they've got the Bears. And then week five, the New York Jets and Nathaniel Hackett. What an epic disaster. And Chad, to think that Peyton could have waited and decided... I'm going to take the best opportunity. I'm going to sit out another year and just do media. All good. The perception would have been way different. Everyone's still knocking on the door the way they were for John Gruden. And now, looking at this, this is as laughable and worse. It's worse. Than what we saw last year from a first-time head coach in Nathaniel Hackett to now what we saw on the road from his team and that coaching staff and this head coach. It's worse. And I didn't think it's possible to look more like a clown show than what Nathaniel Hackett had done. But that he's doing that. Mike McDaniel talked about, I want good karma on the Miami Dolphins, and that's why he didn't decide to run up the score and break records. That's not how you should go about breaking records 
throwing in the end zone when you already have 70 points. Not going to do it that way. Wants good karma. Sean Payton asked for it, and he's getting the opposite when he called out Nathaniel Hackett the way he did. There is an unspoken, unwritten code, especially amongst coaches, especially amongst NFL coaches, not to bury your own that way. And when he did that with Jarrett Bell in that interview, he's invited some bad karma on that team. Here's another thing that I believe about Sean Payton. He's not going to handle this failure well. This is not going to be a, I'm going to change my ways and get guys in here and give Russell Wilson that office back and really kind of be a kinder, softer version of Sean Payton and pull this thing back together. I I don't think he's going to handle it well at all. I'm really interested to see how far south this can go now because he's not going to change who he is and what he's about right now. I'm not saying that he should. I'm just saying he's not the type that's going to keep things level and come back and make sure that they pull it together and have some success this season. I don't see him handling this whole situation well. They have allowed 102 points in the last seven quarters combined. 102. And he's getting snappy with reporters after the game. Yeah. Uh, Back and forth, the press conference. Their question, when they're just reading off the stats of how historically bad that performance was. Rough. Yeah, it's it's bad. Chad, if you're going to get Bama... This was the prime time for Ole Miss to go on the road and do so. And there were closers and there were a, a team that was uh, there was a team that was able to stay competitive for a bit. Alabama closed the game. Lane Kiffin's team did not. And Kiffin If you're not going to get Saban now, he's not going to. Look, he's entertaining. And for all that entertainment value, calling out who's actually calling defensive plays. We looked at tape, and Kevin Steele's been replaced. Joking about, man, you know, this may, may be the last time ever we get to face a Nick Saban team and all of that. Can't go out and score 10 points. A low for your program in a big moment like that, in a big game like that. That's a hugely disappointing for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. He gets beta status for this one week. We go rapid fire across college football straight ahead, and what we learned – based on certain programs and victors and losers. Plus, Andy Staples joins us in 25 minutes on Hot Mike. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hot mic with Honey Withrow across the Outkick Network. Getting the headphones adjusted here. Got it? Yeah, somehow. We locked in now? I'm, I'll hold it during the entire break, Chad. If you put your hand down, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like we're holding I can hands. be taking many ways, Sutton. Yeah, that's right. Six of the Peabody location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Andy Staples joins us in 20 minutes. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking all things college football with him. I'm just going to set these down. How about that? Um, we have uh, also Tank Williams joining us. Uh, former uh, Titan safety. Briefly with the Patriots to end his career. Uh, and he had a brief stint. I'm trying to remember the other team in between. Uh, nonetheless, he is excellent. Uh, former Stanford safety uh, and excellent at 
analyzing college and NFL football. He'll be with us coming up uh, in hour number three. And he's doing some scouting now too, right? Where he looks he at prospects. Is, yeah, yeah. And he he was working with the thirty third team, and now he's doing uh, some some sports wagering analysis and much more. But he'll have some some great assessments of what he's seen across the NFL, having uh, talked with him briefly this morning. Some of these uh, former good, players cool that now look at prospects and do NFL draft work. Corey Chavis is another one that comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, They're really good at it, a lot of these guys. So I look forward to talking well, to you. Well, you either uh, live it and, like, dive in and enjoy watching and analyzing play-by-play, like, uh, sequences and players, or it's just too much. Yeah. And this is their hobby more than anything. Um We've got uh, plenty to get to, uh, and the, the sports, in, the NFL injuries uh, from across the league yesterday. Seventeen nothing was the score for the Saints on the road in Green Bay. Green Bay comes back. By the way, that's in the fourth quarter. Green Bay comes back and wins eighteen seventeen uh, as Derek Carr uh, goes out with a shoulder injury in the third on a sack, and. Let's just say what we saw from Jameis Winston was not the same as what we saw from Derek Carr to get things rolling for New Orleans. A devastating loss for the Saints for the fact they were up 17 nothing against a good team on the road, had a chance to get out to a 3-0 and start this season, but also because of the injury. On the flip side, I thought Jordan Love was terrific in that comeback with some of the throws he was making. That was a felt like a gigantic turning point moment yeah. for him. When well, they when they hit the field goal to take the lead and he's, you know, th- that emotion that he showed and the crowd, the connection with him and that that Green Bay crowd, I I don't know. It's one of those I'm watching it live and it felt bigger than a week 3 win at home. Yeah, he's 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 taking advantage of the mo- and they did not play well offensively early on. You know, miscues, uh ill-advised throws, um, you know, it also just uh, Drop passes, yeah, and then they picked it up and got into a rhythm. The Saints had a chance to win, missed the field goal at the end, and uh, also uh, good news, bad news with Carr. Yeah, uh, the missed field goal no, the miss, when, they, yeah. when they celebrated. Yes, uh, the, the good news, bad news with Carr with a shoulder injury. He avoided a, a serious injury. Um, uh, Ian Rappaport saying that he seems to have avoided something that was extremely long term. Uh, what and that was originally expected. He still could miss some time, but this does not appear to be a season-ending scenario. That is huge for New Orleans in that division. That's much more competitive than what we would have expected. Uh, Mike Williams, however, for the Chargers, out for the season uh, with a torn ACL. One thing we always say about Williams, he's on the injury list. Yeah. And it's extremely unfortunate. The how number about, one ability, Hutton, is availability. And how, he doesn't have a lot of it. The... the, the, the Knee injuries and recovery time. Achilles with, you know, recovery time for this. What used to be detrimental where you may not even be able to come back and play. You know, last last week, uh, Dr. David Chow came on, pro football talk, and said, hey, uh, what we saw with Nick Chubb, he may not be back at all in 2024. It may be a, a full season and a half before we see him back. And that's because you just the reports of all the ligament damage that was done and just the way that the leg bent the opposite way. Turns out it may not be uh, anything more than an MCL. How I, I don't know how that's possible after what we saw. 
No, and the I, fact I that either. he, I mean, they're saying now it, it's not career ending. And in fact, the recovery time for the MCL, and if it's just that, is far better than what was expected, where he could be back and, and be ready to go and by, by next year. It defies the laws of physics. I don't get it. To think that the only thing that could be torn would be the MCL when that happens. I mean, it was, it looked like his leg would not pivot in the right direction again, the well, way and, that his leg bent back. And we saw what happened with him previously in 2015. Yeah. And the recovery time that that took with the, with the same, same knee. It's great news. And uh, it's great news for the Browns. Uh, no matter how you look at it, this is huge for them moving forward. But also, they, I mean, without him, they had a dominant performance yesterday. Yeah, dominant against the Tennessee Titans. They're two and one uh, with two AFC wins over yep. Cincinnati and just a destruction of the Tennessee Titans yesterday. Where that uh, we knew the defense was legit going into the season. Deshaun Watson was better, wasn't perfect, but, but he was better in that better. game yesterday. If that he was can by continue far to improve. His best game. With the Browns. And that's a good Titans defense that was, to me, yes. pretty inexplicably bad at times in that game also. Just a miserable performance for the Titans, but great bounce back on a short week for the Browns uh, with the, the playing on Monday Night Football. Yes. And having that happen with Nick Chubb to get that win, they're in a good spot right now in that AFC North. A uh, big win for the Chargers on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll detail that uh, coming up as well. Back to college football. We welcome in Davey Hudson from across the studio uh, as we dive in, Davey, and, and discuss the rapid-fire perception of programs off of what was a fun week four. That's right, Hud. I'm just going to name some programs for you, and you guys give me a two- to three-sentence answer about what we learned about this team this week, and we'll get this kicked off. The Ohio State Buckeyes. Chad, they are growing in what is a young roster at key positions, um, and certainly not pretty. But they win, they win the game in ugly fashion, and I think that also is something to to point to. It, it's it's odd by day to so so much uh, cute when they were a play away from losing, but they go on the road in a massive environment in a massive moment and leave with a victory on the final play. Um, I say they're growing together, and it starts at quarterback. Yeah, me mentally and physically tough. Other they played very physical on both lines of scrimmage, and I think mentally th their offense did not impress me in this game, and I think it's still a work in progress and will get better. But they've got so much talent yes. that they're going to be fine. And to win a game that way on the road in that environment where Notre Dame's trying to win their biggest game in 30 years is very impressive. So I'm, I'm impressed with the mental toughness. Well, speaking of Notre Dame, they are the next team on our list. Poorly coached. Um, I, I, th that's – that's an unforgivable mistake, and I, I, I feel worse about it when, to me, he blatantly lies in the postgame about it and doesn't just own that they screwed up. They had back-to-back -back plays with 10 guys on the field and the biggest moment maybe of their season, certainly of his coaching tenure so far. So they've got a good culture. I like Marcus Freeman. I like his presence on the sideline. He's calm, everything about him. But he's got to get better. He, he's got to improve. That's my big takeaway from that game for them. Can't finish, not elite, bad loss. And I, I'm surprised to say bad loss because it came on the final play against who could be uh, the, the Big Ten champ and in the college football playoff. 
but a bad loss based on the circumstance of back-to-back plays. Guys, a team that you could argue is not getting the t- attention that they deserve, but the Washington Huskies. I mean, I'll start here because yes, I've, I've been high on your, them throughout. Yes. Um, 56, 43, 41, 59. Those are their point totals so far this year. And they have actually called off the dogs in multiple games so far. This offense is a revelation <laughs> to watch. It, de- it depends on pinpoint accuracy from Michael Penix Jr., they are getting guys wide open down the field also. This guy can make every throw. Not the strongest arm ever, but puts it in the right spot every time. I love this offense. I like this Washington team a lot. I would say they are a fun football team to watch, and they can beat anybody. Because they were up 14 nothing before Michael Penix Jr. even took the field this past weekend. Guys, we learned... Uh, you could say a lot about this team on next on our list, but took overtime to defeat Clemson, but the Florida State Seminoles. Chad, uh, con- confusing. Yeah. Con- confusing team to me. I, I look at Florida State. They're, they survived. They're not playing great. I don't know how to de- describe them from this standpoint. I, do they have an edge? What, what's their identity? I, I can't describe that yet, but they continue to win despite that. Yeah, it feels like a team that may get into the college football playoff by default at this point with the two games they've already won, the two Tigers they've beaten. And look, they've won both games away from Tallahassee. That's right. It's, it's impressive. So I'm not trying to take anything away from them there, but the last two weeks combined, Boston College and now the overtime escape against Clemson, I'm not looking at them in the same light I do. Let's say some of these top Pac-12 teams that I think are right. just more impressive right now. So right. I, I look I, I, the second half against LSU is very good. That's it. Very to, to sum it up, Davey, very good, not great. That's right. what I think of yeah. Florida State guys. The Alabama Crimson Tide got uh, they got the win that they needed at the right time. If Ole Miss comes in there and, and wins in Tuscaloosa and they have back-to-back losses at home. Who knows where we're headed with the storylines of, of this program. Uh, good, not great. I would describe them the same way as Florida State. They know who they are again. Th- there's an identity. I think they lost it, and that lost to Texas a little bit. Um, Jalen Milrow's not going to set the world on fire with pinpoint accuracy, but he can win a game with his legs. He can hit some big shots down the field, too, and that defense is great. And I think they're only going to get better. They were great on Saturday. So... Alabama is right back where Alabama always is. Chance to win the SEC West and go to the SEC Championship game. A really great It's all half. right in front of them now. And uh, I think probably overly alarmed about that home loss to Texas because yeah. Texas looks really good. Guys, Alabama was able to defeat the Ole Miss Rebels. What did you take from that? Fewest points in, the, in an SEC game for Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. Um, they're 1-19 they're against Power 5 teams that ended a season with nine or more wins. Uh, I just don't I, – I look at them as the middle of the pack, and they, they give Lane a raise based on that. Yeah, they've hit their ceiling. I think Lane Kiffin has defined the ceiling for Ole Miss football under his leadership, and it's never going to be a team that wins a bunch of huge games in any given season against great competition. Their best win the last two or three years is in Knoxville against an unranked Tennessee team, 31-26. In the mustard bottle game, I love their uniforms, but they're not—they're not, not, they're not winning many games bigger than that. So 
another. I think Florida State's very good, not great. I think Ole Miss is good, not very good. Guys, going back out to the West Coast, the Oregon Ducks. Elite on offense, really good on defense. And like Washington, they can beat anyone. Different. And what I mean by the word different is it's different from what you'd expect from an Oregon football team. That's what I see in them. They're more physical. Defense is better. Dan Lanning's a bit of a different guy. Also leading the program. And I, I love what I've seen so far. And uh, Deion Sanders in Colorado. Ahead of schedule. Talented at the skill position. Incredibly thin. Both lines of scrimmage. Depth. A team that we've seen peak for this season. I don't think it's getting better for them yeah. in 2023, but it will get better for them in the future. Incredibly thin in what is a deep conference right now. Yep. And it's just, if this were the Pac-12 from a couple of years ago, <laughs> Colorado's in the mix despite this loss, but we know what's to come with that. Chad, coming up, Andy Staples joins us, and we will go across the national storylines Look ahead a bit as well, because now we've got the the quarter of the season. We've got that snapshot of the four games and what we're seeing stack up and what's going to be a fantastic finish. And who knows? Some two lost teams in the Big Ten and SEC could be skipped by the Pac-12. That's next. <laughs> 